Good morning. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're reading the entire Bible together, chapter by chapter. And uh, everybody there in St. Louis, wow, I hope everyone, you're staying safe and warm inside. A good day to, to stay inside and listen to us read the Bible together here. We're looking at Isaiah chapter 58 today. And this is one of those chapters that, you know, you look at it and you're like, well, let's see, it's about fasting. It's about the Sabbath. This seems very distinctively Old Testament, like we've kind of graduated beyond this. But there, there's a lot in here that really speaks to a situation similar to our own. We got to remember. This is the community that survived, that's still hanging out in Judah after the Babylonians had rolled through. This is before the exiles have returned. And the situation is, yeah, they've survived and they were nominally hanging on to the name of their God. But are, are they really practicing what they preach? Do they really appreciate what the name Yahweh really means? And that is a pattern that I think is very analogous to our own. So there's some good stuff for us today to consider. And we're joined today by one of our regular guests. We've got Pastor Nathan Metter, pastor of St. John Lutheran Church in Plymouth, Wisconsin. Good morning, brother. It's not a psalm. So yeah, here we go again. But this is a, this is a neat little chapter here with maybe more for us than meets the eye. Absolutely. Although I don't know how to handle myself when it's not poetry anymore. Although it is poetry. <laughs> it's still poetry. It's, it's, still Hebrew, po- it's, it's poetry. Hebrew poetry. Poetry about fasting. Yes. That's right. Yes. Yes. And uh, um, I, I am. I could probably use some intermittent fasting because I stepped on the scale this morning. <laughs> uh, but I know that that that's not what the prophet's talking about. Yeah. yeah. Well, isn't that, isn't that funny though? Right. Like there must have been somebody listening, being like, "Fasting? Yeah, that's not like an old thing. That's like cutting edge, right? You know, this exactly whole intermittent right. fasting, right? It, it's in that's, vogue now." Yeah. But then again, you know, again, we're not talking about how to drop a few how to how to drop a few pounds because you ate too many Christmas cookies at the office here. Um, well, actually, in, in a, but in a real way, um, that was you know this cultural appropriation of of a religious activity does fit a little bit into what we're dealing with here. Yeah, um, you know we, we we co-opt what God intends to be good because uh, well, God intends everything to be good. It's every right. good and perfect gift comes from the Father, of heavenly lights. However, um, uh, those who are not good read us. Uh, use those gifts in ways that obscure the goodness that God intends. Right. Yeah. No. That's true. That's yeah. Another application. Really. It's. It's. Um. This is definitely one of those chapters that's like making a difference, but a distinction between the the outward practice, right? That might get co opted, as you were saying, and then like, what's the significance? The intention? The purpose behind it? And and that's what God's most interested in. Mm-hmm. Most certainly true. Well, let's turn to the text, and as we do, would you say a prayer for us and for everyone listening today, especially uh, everybody out there in St. Louis who, you know, like we were saying before the program, up up in Wisconsin, you guys are like, ah, small potatoes, right? But, um, you know, yeah, the St. weather Louis they get is, down there, we call, the weather we get, they're getting down there today, they call snow day, we just call Monday. Um, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> but, but do be safe, for, do be safe, yeah. folks. All right. Yes, but, but so yeah, let, let's join our hearts in prayer if you would lead us. Gracious God, Heavenly Father, on this day when your mercies are new and totally undeserved, you give us yet another opportunity to, uh, to delve into your Word. Uh, we can do that from the safety of our desk and, and from the safety of, uh, uh, of wherever the radio or Internet is playing. 
Yeah, Lord, we know that uh, in the St. Louis area, the weather is uh, frightful. Uh, we pray, O oh Lord, that you would keep safe those who have to travel, especially, and we especially commend into your hands those who are uh, th- those who are tasked with uh, by you uh, to make sure that the roads are open and the ways are safe, and that uh, in the event of, of of calamity, there are those who are uh, ready to respond at the at the sound of a pager or the or the drop of a hat. Um, uh, Lord, we thank you for those gifts as well. Uh, incl- we also thank you. For, we also pray too that you would grant protection to those uh, around the world who might be listening, who are under uh, threat simply because they are observant of your word. Uh, lead us to receive this word with gladness. May your Holy Spirit guide and direct our discussions, our conversations, our an- our questions, and our answers, so that in the end uh, we are not glorifying our own cravings, but we are glorifying you, the one who was willing uh, to come in the flesh at the, at the right time, to live, to die, and to rise so that we might be free, not just for a moment, but for eternity. It's in Jesus' most precious name that we pray this. Amen. Amen. So turning to the text here, like we were saying, the, the theme is fasting here. Uh, how does that fit in with what we read last time in chapter 57? Because 57 uh, was not really talking about fasting. It was talking about different kinds of religious observances. How has the context prepared us for what we have today? Well, I, you know, as I, as I flip through and look at, at, at 57, what you see um, is it's setting the stage not just for—it's setting the stage for what you might call a veneer religion. You know, yeah. um, a veneer is when you take a, a very, very thin coating of, of expensive wood and you put it over the top of garbage wood, oftentimes pressed wood or whatever, and make it look far more impressive and far more valuable than it really is. Um, you so know, so you, were, what you mean is Ikea, basically. <laughs> uh, no, that, that, that's assembly, which, le- which is lead us not into temptation, because I, <laughs> I, I, often, Ikea, uh, Ikea often leads me to take the Lord's name in vain, so therefore I avoid it, uh, you know, because I lead me not into temptation. But uh, actually, actually, no, what, I, what I'm thinking of in the day, you know, because Jill and I were married back in the uh, early 90s, and that was, the, uh, that was the advent of, before Ikea, there was Saudi which was pressed wood, which was basically sawdust mixed with, with, with you know, probably five different types of carcinogenic ju- glues, and right. then they slapped something that looked like wood over the top of it, and, and then they had this proprietary little hex wrench that fit nothing else other than their screw, and you busted your knuckles putting this thing together for like three hours. Um, uh, and, and, and so it looked, you know, you know when, it, when the bookshelf was standing there, it looked pretty impressive. But yeah. then you start, then you move it a couple of times, yeah. and it falls apart <laughs> right. on you. You know, mm-hmm. this is one of the things. There's nothing worse than moving out to Vicarage when all of your bookshelves are souter, and you have to replace them. Yeah. Um, because, uh, and, and I think that, it, more so than Ikea, because I watched my daughter put a bedroom set together for two and a half days because she wanted it, I didn't. Uh, but it's solid. <laughs> what we're talking yeah. about, we're talking about is, you know, when we turn to the, what, what we're looking at in, in, in 58, Whereas 57 was dealing with, you know, the rotten core of idolatry, um, this, is, this is looking, and, and, and in a very way, 58 is probably even more insist 
um, than than blatant idolatry. Because at least you know blatant idolatry it looks like. I mean, you, you just know what it is. You know, this yeah. looks like it's holy and right and just and true, when really it's rotten at the core. Yeah, no, that, that that's a helpful description, and I don't mean to knock IKEA. I actually have num- a number of pieces myself, but um, yeah, that the idea of in '57 we saw, you know, they're calling on the name of God, but they're also calling on the names of other gods, and and you're right, in some ways, that's that's less insidious, I think, yeah, is the word you use because it's kind of obvious. It's sort of like, well, that's just clearly the first commandment. You're worshiping other gods right. in the presence of the, the true God. So that's that's just clearly out. Um, and I actually didn't we didn't have a chance to, to mention this. But in verse nine of chapter 57, it says you journeyed to the king with oil. That That is a technical term for for Moloch or, or Molech. Mm-hmm. That that's the uh, term. I mean, it means king. You know, it's like several of these pagan gods like, you know, Baal, like that just meant Lord and or master. Mm-hmm. Or, or, you know, uh, Moloch, that, that just means king, right? So they're, they're just actually worshiping other gods, right? Right. Um, so, right, on the one hand, that's just kind of obviously false. But 58 is sort of continuing the same idea that, you know, here you are and you, you have a fast for the true God, right? But it's it, because it's alongside this other stuff. And, and as you were saying, because on the inside, it's rotten. On the inside, there's there's nothing there's nothing to it, Um that's that's the real problem. So it, it, there's a there's kind of the obvious problem on the outside, but there's also the less obvious problem on the inside. Let, right. Let's go ahead and and read the first little chunk here and, and dig into this. We got the first five verses that set up the rest of the chapter very nicely. So let's read those in the English Standard Version, chapter fifty-eight, beginning the first five verses here. Cry aloud! Do not hold back! Lift up your voice like a trumpet! Declare to my people their transgression, to the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily, and delight to know my ways, as if they were a nation that did righteousness, and did not forsake the judgment of their God. They ask of me righteous judgments, they delight to draw near to God. Why have we fasted, and you see it not? Why have we humbled ourselves, and you take no knowledge of it? Behold, in the day of your fast you seek your own pleasure, and oppress all your workers." Behold, you fast only to quarrel and to fight, and to hit with a wicked fist. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice to be heard on high. Is such the fast that I choose? A day for a person to humble himself? Is it to bow down his head like a reed and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this a fast and a day acceptable to the Lord? So... A, re- a really sharp distinction is being drawn, you know. This is this is your fast, Yahweh says, right? The true God speaking through Isaiah. This this is your fast. You're 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 complaining to me, saying like, you know, it says in verse three. There's the complaint that's kind of in the middle of this, right? Like God, right. hey, we're fasting for you. Why aren't you listening? Why aren't you, you know, helping us out, throwing us a bone? You know, we're we're throwing you one, right? And yeah. God's saying, you think that this was my idea? You're just fasting and doing whatever you want with this. You're just fasting and getting in a bad mood and hitting each other. That's, I mean, that's there it is in verse 4, right? This kind of martyring yourself kind of fast. Is that the first biblical example of being hangry? You know, yeah, I know, right? At the same time. <laughs> You know, I, I think uh, I think there's probably a, f- a few, but there, I mean, there it is, right? And like, I think we can all right. kind of relate to that. If you, you know, whenever you, because we're not very, I, I think this kind of relates to a couple ideas, but we're not very 
used to like fasting, right? And so when a lot of us try it out, uh, maybe during Lent, we're like, oh man, this is really hard. And all of a sudden, um, you know, it's like Lord of the Flies with everyone around us. <laughs> oh, exactly. You know, let's go get piggy. Uh, uh, you know, you know, and I and I think that's just it. You know, again, this is this is co-opting. Um, you know, the idea of fasting was indeed to be an act of of, of repentant self-denial, uh, where you fill that which is, you know, and I think that the, the, the contrast comes in, you know, behold, in the day of the, in verse 3, in the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure. Uh, so, so basically, you know, again, what you're doing is, is, is they're trying, in, in a way, uh, not unlike not unlike the, the the religious leaders of Jesus day not unlike the religious uh, figures of our day where we try and um, manipulate God uh, in in ways that look holy and righteous but really we're not serving God's interest we're serving our own we want we want what we want when we want it and and, and we realize you know and and, and yet we're we're stuck with the fact that we can't control life you know um my guess is with the exception of the children and and the public and the and the teachers who love having snow days no mm-hmm. one else in the st louis area wants the weather they're getting today so if they could have their yeah. way it would be 70 and sunny well then right. again, i would do that here in wisconsin and there's no snow either because yeah. <laughs> i'd have a tea time um but 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 the reality is you know we 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 think that we can you know and and this happens you know, and of course we can't read hearts, but you know darn good and well that 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 at least one of the saints that God gathers around His altar on Sunday morning are there for ulterior reasons. Yeah, you know there there is a you know and and the reason we know this is we're human, we have human flesh. We want to do the right things in the right way so that God owes us something. Yeah. Well, that's and this is really this is really interesting, though, right? Because I think I think you're right onto it that that ultimately there is this double mindedness. There is this sort of like we want to like we're going to we're going to try to manipulate God. We're going to try to get God indebted to us because we keep doing nice things for him. So like we can like call in a favor, you know, right. but but the th- but the thing is, what's interesting is that, you know, most people listening like are going to say like well I, I mean i don't think of it like that certainly not you know this is this is god here we're talking about i would i would never presume you know i mean so i think most in most people in general i think would deny that they try to do that but i, I think this is this is it though right it says there in verse two it says they seek me daily and delight to know my ways right I mean, like, and then and it goes on. They ask of me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. So the thing is, as far as they're even aware, they are genuinely approaching the true God. This is sincere religion as far as they're aware. You know, to, to their own conscience, they think that what they're doing is totally above board and very pious and all the rest. Like, they aren't even aware of how 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 depraved this is really when you boil it down and and that's just the kind of scary thing about this you know we we carry on thinking like oh no this is i i'm good and i'm sincere and i'm i'm very humble and i i you know i'm just doing this because this is the right thing to do we're not even aware of our own sinful motives it, we it, it's it's below the surface and we we've fooled even ourselves not just the people around us well and and that's what happens we become desensitized you know, just like just like the world in which we live has become desensitized to 
to uh, overt sexual images, or we, in many communities, we become we become desensitized to to the, just the the violent depravity that goes on in life. You know, whether it is the senseless, you know, the senseless murders of people in in our in our urban cores, or you know, I, I just read an article yesterday here in Sheboygan County. You know, we're we're as Lutheran as there are Lutheran up here, and we're and and we're uh, we're a huge highway for trafficking in, in in sex trafficking. You know, and I'm sitting there going, mm-hmm. "What? What are you talking about?" Yeah. But, and what happens is we become so desensitized. In the same way that we become so desensitized to violence and depravity in the world around us, we can become desensitized to violence and depravity in our own in our, in our own spiritual life. We can become uh, so fixated on 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 knowing, you know, being like a God, um, you know, and and you know, it's you know that sounds like a noble aspect, uh, except you know. You can search the scriptures backwards and forwards, and there's a lot of things that God will tell us to do. Fear me, honor me, love me, obey me, worship me, serve me. But there's one thing he will never enjoin us to do, and that is to understand him. And and part of the problem is when we seek that which we understand, we control. And and, and we become so desensitized in in our sinful flesh's desire to domesticate God. Right. Well, yeah, and and that's and that's just and that and that's really well put. And it's not it's just not something that's on our radar, you know. I mean, because I think that people talk about it all the time, like being coming becoming desensitized. I mean, at least in Christian circles, right? Mm-hmm. We talk about, oh yeah, the culture just we're we're just we're hyper stimulated and we're desensitized to the sexual images or or to violence. I mean, those are the things that are kind of on our radar that. You'll see an article about Christianity Today, or you'll you'll hear someone talk about it on KFUO, right? right? Uh, but you know, the, the, this kind of sneaky idea of we're, we're desensitized to our own uh, knowledge, to our own kind of sophistication. We're coming becoming desensitized to our own, um, you know, level of understanding. I mean, that's that's something that's really sneaky that that's i mean like who who really considers that that they're desensitized on that sort of level and so i mean now certainly you know in the, in their context here the survivors in judah I mean, i'm not sure i'm not sure if that if that's exactly what they had going on for them i mean and i think this this, this is really i think where the connection gets made ultimately they're they're sincere as far as they're aware right but right. the thing is, they're not aware because they don't have the word of God is is the underlying thing. They and this is going to become clear from the rest of the chapter. I mean, they pretty much do not have prophets uh, or priests or anybody who's there actually giving them the Bible at this point, uh, mm-hmm. or or really like the true message of law and gospel. Because yeah, they had the law and the gospel too, um, even in that day. That no one's doing that. We saw this a few chapters ago that. Uh, there's that there's that that metaphor of the watchman and the the dogs the watchdogs that back in 56 and it's saying that you know these these watchdogs right the the priests and the the prophets and those who are supposed to be giving them uh, the the true faith right well they're blind and they're silent they don't bark anymore they're just doing enough so that they get fed so that they you right. know can collect their paycheck at the end of the week they're not 
doing anything to to wake people up to the sin that's right in front of them. And so I think that that's that's something that we we can relate to on, on the same wavelength that even today, you know, are our pastors functioning as effective watchmen or watchdogs? Are, are they, you know, barking and like bringing us this to our attention or have they become so desensitized in the same ways that you're talking about that they're not even aware of it? Right. You know, and, and, and again, you know, this is, this is what happens, you know, um, you know, when, when, and, and whether it's, you know, legalism or gospel reductionism, or, you know, we're going to, we're going to try and, 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 and package the message in such a way that it's going to be palpable to the, to the, uh, you know, the, to the rank and file. And, and you're right. You know, really what do we end up doing is we start pulling punches and we end up, we end up cheapening the message. And, and rather than sounding the warning and, you know, uh, repentance and forgiveness of sins being preached, um, we we end up we end up desensitizing and we and we we lose our, our hearers as well as the, as the preachers lose sight of the gravity of their situation. Yeah, I mean, it, and it happens it, it happens so innocuously, right? I mean, it starts off with just you know, like here's the pastor and he's going to do law and gospel preaching, right? But when he's going to do law. He's going to pick the law that's just kind of obvious, like for the people and the problems that are out there. Like we were mentioning, you know, oh, there's there's so much violence and oh, there's, you know, there's all this sexual imagery out there. Right. And that, that has a place. Right. Because it's not out there. It's it's in here, too. Right. So we got to deal with the same stuff. We're, we're part of the same problem. Right. But when the pastor only goes on that stuff. Right. The stuff that we're all just kind of like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. That kind of overt, you know, that, you know, for their context, the analog to, you know, sacrificing to, you know, to, to Moloch and stuff like that. Like, oh, yeah, right. That's obviously wrong. But the pastor's never going to get into the stuff. He's never going to apply the law to the other problems that are right under our noses. Right. Yeah. Then then the, then the gospel doesn't speak to those problems either, because the gospel is speaking release and forgiveness um, and and a solution to those things, but if, right. if the law doesn't come in first, like the the gospel's not going in to talk about those things either. Yeah, or, or, or I think I think you know, and unfortunately, I've heard examples of this um, where we preach about the law out there, right? You know, we preach about the law outside the walls of the church, and we only speak the gospel to those inside the church. And what we end up happening, what ends up happening, I think that's probably the analogous thing to what's going on here, because mm-hmm. then what happens, these, the, 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 these, these um, left-behind folks, uh, to, to use an unfortunate term, uh, <laughs> these left-behind folks think they're, think they're, all, they're, they're okay. Right. Because after all, you know, it's it's that evil stuff out there, out there in I Babylon. Got, right. Yeah, I've got this. I've got this. You know, I'm. I, we're still in the Holy Land. You know, right. we're still in God's Promised Land. We're still doing the right things. But what we're what we're doing you know, again, what we're finding, and as the rest of the chapter will roll out, the real problem is not out there. The real problem is in here. And until we deal with the real problem in here. Um, that we we end up being like the the whitewashed tombs of the Pharisees in the gospel. Yeah, absolutely right, and, that, and that's kind of connecting it both to our own time 
um, and, and their time, and then also the ministry of our Lord Jesus. And there's certainly some stuff to talk about there with the arguments that they had about fasting and what that meant. Right. But we'll have to save that for once we get back from the break. Everybody hang on. We're looking at Isaiah chapter 58 here on Thy Strong Word. Be right back. Hi, I'm Matt Harrison, president of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. As we approach Thanksgiving, there is so much to be thankful for, but I'm especially thankful for all of you who volunteer your time and talents in your congregations and in your communities, using the gifts God has given you to share your faith in word and in deed. Thank you for your faithful labor in Christ's name. Hello, this is Dr. Dale Meyer. Have you heard Concordia Seminary's program, Word and Work and Intersection? Every week, you can hear it on KFUO Thursdays at 2 p.m. Central Time. We visit with many interesting guests about how the Word of God applies to their daily vocations and ministries. Be sure to tune in, and may the intersection of Word and Work be busy on your corner. This week on Issues Etc., we'll get an introduction to the book of Galatians from Pastor Brian Wolfmiller. We'll discuss myths about Christmas hymns with Dr. John Beaker. We'll talk with Pastor Paul McCain about the distinction of foods, monastic vows, and ecclesiastical power in the Augsburg Confession. And on Friday, an Issues Etc. tradition, what's your favorite Christmas hymn and why? Issues Etc., live weekday afternoons from 3 to 5 on KFUO. Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're looking at Isaiah chapter 58 today, and we're joined by Pastor Nathan Metter, pastor of St. John Lutheran Church in Plymouth, Wisconsin. I want to make sure to invite everybody listening live today. If you have a question or a comment for me or Pastor Metter here on Isaiah 58, you can call 1-800-730-2727. Or if you're in St. Louis and uh, just you're hanging out inside, hopefully, uh, from this winter storm here, why don't you call in 314-821-0850. Or you can also send an email. Uh, Actually, an email might be best given the inclement weather here if you do have uh, any questions or comments for us because... uh, I think everyone's actually trying to even get out of the studio right now. So email is best, kfuo at kfuo.org. I also want to encourage everybody after the show, uh, check out the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. There are underwriters. We thank you guys for underwriting the show. Check them out at lhfmissions.org and the work that they do with translating Bibles and uh, providing materials for people all around the world. Uh, God bless their work. So here we are, Isaiah 58. Let's go ahead. We, we left it off at verse 5, so let's go ahead and pick it up at verse 6 and read this next chunk, shall we? Mm-hmm. All right, so here we go, 6 through 12. Is not this the fast that I choose? 
to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Then shall your light break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry, and he will say, Here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger, the speaking wickedness, if you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as the noonday. And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail, and your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. You have no idea how exciting these words make me, considering the other hat I wear other than a parish pastor. Um, (laughs) What is that? the, The assistant coordinator for stewardship for the LCMS. Ah. What, what we're talking about here, what, what you see, you know, and, 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 and as, as we talked about a little bit during the break, you know, when you read those first couple of verses, I immediately, I immediately when I first read it, when I was prepping for this, I, I read those verses and I said, oh, Micah 6, where, the, where this is a consistent message that God has throughout the prophets. Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. says, uh, and this is what Micah says, he has told you, O man, what is good and what, the Lord, what, what does the Lord require of you? but to do justice and love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. And, and he, he, this is, in, Isaiah, of course, expands on this because, you know, never say in five words what you can say in 50. Uh, but, but, uh, but you see these wonderful imageries, uh, this, mother, this wonderful image it compared and contrasted to the last segment. The last segment we talked about wanting a domesticated God, this veneer of holiness. Right. Right. And, and 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 this is the and, and where it is this what we're what we're seeing you know it, you, you can even if you listen closely enough not just the prophet Micah you can even hear hear Jesus I desire go go and tell me what this means I right. desire mercy not sacrifice and and that's what we begin to see as as we understand as we come as as, as when when we come to know that which we need to know most that we have indeed fallen short that our that our worship that our holiness from ourselves is a veneer and god yet restores us when we start living in that way toward those around us living out justice living out mercy um then we're starting to do what god wants us to do we're living in response to what he has shown us in spite of who we are Right. Well, and that's and that's the you know that's the thing. This is a message that it's not news to them. It's something that I mean, th- this is stuff that's in Leviticus, right? And like right. Leviticus, yeah, didn't just outline you know how many turtle doves to use, but it, it talked about things like you know justice. I mean, yeah, even social justice. That's not actually a bad term. So it's, it's a bad term when that's the only thing that you talk about. But so is right. anything, um, like you know anything under the sun. When you focus on that to the exclusion of like the rest of God's creation, right? Like something's out of out of whack. Um, but yeah, so I mean, like there it is. You know, in Moses, you know, he talks about you know this sort of thing. Don't go oppress the poor. Don't 
uh, pervert your justice by just deciding in favor of the wealthy every single time, right? And so, you know, this this is the word of God stuff that they have forgotten about. This is the word of God stuff that they are not hearing preached to them, that they are not practicing, um, and so it therefore they have gone into, as it says darkness and so even though they seek the face of the lord you know as far as as far as they're aware that's what they think they're doing right and they think they're sincere they're doing so in darkness and when you're doing this in the dark and you're not doing it with the benefit of god's word you're you're not going to find him you know i mean that and but there's the way he says in verse nine like if you if you have the light of the word right it says in verse eight before that you know your light will break forth like the dawn Right. This this is just, you know, it says your light, but this is, you know, uh, as you mentioned, you know, kind of how our Lord echoes this stuff. This is the idea of, you know, when the light of the word fills your eyes, then your light, you, you have light in your own eyes. Right. And so it's like your light then goes forth because the light of God's in you. And so then it says in verse nine, the Lord will answer. You will cry and he will say, here I am. You will find him if you have his word. When, with all of the, your efforts and all of your your sincere religious practices, if you don't have the Word of God, it's just darkness and silence. Right. Well, what happens? You know, let's let's you know what happens when light is shown. The first thing is it diagnoses all the problems. Right. You know when you know when when the light of God. You know uh, you know you start hearing some of this. You know when, you know why you know why do why do men like darkness? Because it hides it hides the evil. You know, there's a reason why the guy who comes to rob your house does not come at noon. He comes at midnight, okay, because right. he's under the cover of darkness. And when the, the first thing that happens when the light comes on is we see our desperate straits. And then, we, you know, it leads us to realize, you know, where we're at. And then as that light shines in our lives, we then see the desperate need we have, which then leads us to call out, not in, hey, God, look at what I'm doing for you, Right. Oh my! What what a poor miserable sinner I am. And again, understanding miserable, not in the sense of what a horrible person I am, but I'm desirous of mercy. You see, yeah. it, it, you know, and and right there we see this difference. You know, when this light comes into play, the light of the word comes into play. It automatically, it's not look at me, um, look at me, look what I'm doing for you. Oh, what a swell little boy that I am. Um, right. and, and it's turned. Oh my goodness! Look at me. What? A, what? Oh, uh, you know, wh- wh- I'm broken. I'm. I'm. I'm a fraud. And, you know, and and we're crying out to God, not in, "Hey, look at me." We're crying out to God, saying, "Oh Lord, have mercy on me." And right. then it's when that happens, and and when when we have that daily, "Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner." It changes the way, not only we, the way we look at ourselves before God, it also changes the way we look at others before God, because they too are in that, they, are, they too are those same people, whether they're aware of it or not, they're still sitting in darkness who need the light of the word to diagnose their ultimate problem, so then that the Lord, so the Lord through his word then can, can deliver the ultimate solution. Right. Yeah, exa- exactly. It's, I mean, I mean, we are our own problem here. We're our own enemies. God, God wants to bless us, right? I mean, there it is in verse eleven and twelve. Like, you know, they're they're the survivors, right? The people who didn't get taken away to Babylon, and they're looking at the ruins of Jerusalem. They're looking at the ruins of the temple, the ruins of the palace, and they're like, "Here we are. We're fasting. We 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 know we messed up. We did lots of bad things, but here we are. We're 
we're worshiping Yahweh, right? We're fasting, right? Like we're, we're doing the things. Why isn't he now coming and helping us to, to rebuild? I mean, that's what it says. Raise up the foundations of many generations, right? Repair the breach, uh, restore the ancient ruins, right? So why isn't that happening? Well, they themselves are the ones getting in the way. I mean, it's, it's one, but they, of course, they don't know that. And as you said, once they have the light of the word, then they'll see, oh my goodness, this is exactly why God hasn't done this. I mean, we, we are basically the ones barricading God out. You know, here we are praying on the one hand, yeah, God, come on, come save us, right? Do this for us. But we're all the, we're all the ones, you know, leaning on the door, holding it closed, you know, trying to like desperately stack up furniture behind it so that he can't come in. We're doing right. that with our very with our very sins right now, with the oppression that we're doing. So I, I mean, that, that's just the thing, right? It's you you don't see how God, yeah, God wants to come, God wants to answer your prayer, but you're telling him no. I mean, right. but it's only it's only apparent it's only apparent in the in the light, and that's I mean that's that's the tragedy of it. I mean, it, it is it is tragic that when you're in the darkness, you just don't even know um, how badly we're, we're shooting ourselves in the foot. Correct. And we're so good at shooting ourselves in the foot in the darkness that we take off our socks and our shoes and put the muzzle right down under the top of our foot. Yeah, yeah, right, right. And, and and the particular manifestation of the darkness here, right, is, you know, and this is something, again, where you read this and you're like, oh, this isn't, this doesn't sound like what we're doing, right? Well, but maybe it, maybe it is. You know, it's talking about, you know, br- breaking the yoke and undoing the straps of the yoke, Right. And, you know, we think to ourselves, like, well, I, I don't have any servants that I've yoked and that I'm, you know, uh, doing all this oppression to, right? Um, but I, do, I don't I don't know. I, I think that perhaps if we actually look at the situation, we actually are doing those things. And, yeah, okay, this might actually involve thinking a little bit about social justice stuff. But we, we do these things, actually, by our participation in our modern society even today. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, you know, uh, you know, we we, you know, and and there there there's always a line, um, but I I really do think you want to talk about desensitization, um, you know we, you know when was the last time when was the last time you could have a, a discussion of something uh, socially uh, provocative or volatile at your family reunion, you know yeah. You know what, what, what what's the first what, what what's the first you know there's one word that can ruin your upcoming uh, upcoming Christmas celebration, the word is impeachment. You know you can yeah. sit there and because you know you got people of and, and and the worst part is we can't even talk to each other about it anymore. Right. You know and and so so the fact we can't have these conversations about things like this. Right. You know so so if I sit here as a stewardship guy and say you know. We really ought to take good care of the environment that God has created for us. Right. Now, all of a sudden, I'm immediately lumped in with the Greta Thornburgs of the world, and you've stolen my childhood, and, and we right. can't talk to one another about it. Right. You know, you know maybe if we sit back and we have the light of God's Word showered upon us and realize that this created world belongs not to me but to God— and that I've been tasked with the stewardship of it, now all of a sudden, I, 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 the, this, when this light is shined on, it's not mine to begin with, and I'm, encounter, I'm accountable to the owner for how I, how I, for, from the management of what's entrusted to me. Now all of a sudden, it, it's a totally different image. And it leads me to beat my chest and say, you know, what a horrible man I am, because, you know, right. 
you know, maybe not. Maybe I'm not. I don't feel the guilt of the pang of guilt if I have a plastic straw every once in a while. But you know, am I? Should I be taking care of the environment? Yes. Not because I'm afraid that every, the whole, if we don't take care of it, everybody's going to die. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I want to take care of it because God made it. I, need, well, I, I have a responsibility to my neighbor, yeah. too, because, yes. because I need to have a place. You know, he needs, even if he doesn't understand that God made this, you know, you know, my stewardship of this is for his benefit, too. Yeah, right. And, and I think that, I, I don't know, and, and you know, the, the, you're right, and I, and I really appreciate what you're saying. It, it, it is such a tragedy that you know here here we are the church right i mean we we are the ones who are i mean we we are supposed to be the conscience of our society we're supposed to be the salt and the light here so that we do shine the light on what's going on that's wrong in our society right i mean we are the john the baptist that's supposed to be calling out herod on on what's going on here and and so it, it shouldn't it shouldn't fall to i i mean you know these utopist ideologues um who are outside the church to be to be calling us out on this stuff, we ought, we ought to have done it before they stepped in. You know, right. I mean, this this is just this is just. I mean, there's there's so many problems related to this, but I, I think what you were where you were going there, maybe that's the place to start. We should be looking at our neighbors here because you know you talk about something like the environment, like well, you know, who's the people who suffer the most, right? When the environment goes down the tubes, it's the poor. Right. I mean, they're 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 the ones who can't afford to go live in a place that's like kind of like up high and protected away from like where all there's all this like sludge and bad air and all the rest. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that it's in those areas that you have lower real estate values, like out, out here in California, right? We have like all this crazy car pollution, right? We know it. You don't, <laughs> this, there, there's no denying it, right? You just look out at the Valley and you're like, Oh, that looks like a terrible, nasty thing. Like, like hovering over the city. Right. And I've like, never well, been guess, there, but I'm, I'm told I've never been there, but I'm told you can see the air you breathe. Yeah, no, you, you, you can. Well, but, well, that's the thing, though. I mean, you can see that it's over that you can see it's over the valley. You can see it's over like the city of Los Angeles. Right. But when you're out in Orange County, it's like you're, you're kind of free of it. But like, well, guess who cannot afford to live in Orange County? Right. And who has right. to live there in the valley underneath that stuff? Who like has a higher incidence of, of asthma, like like through the roof? I mean, like, mm-hmm. well, it's all the people who can't afford this, you know. And so, I mean, this this is the sort of thing, right? Like, yeah, don't go blind. Don't go desensitized to this stuff. You know, think about the people who are suffering uh, because right. of our indifference. And, and, and yet, what does this come back to? Think about how, how does Jesus summarize the law? Love the right. Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And... Love your neighbor as yourself. He doesn't say that it's not either or; it's both right. and. And in right. fact, he makes it. He makes it. A, he makes a really good. He makes a really consistent point. I'm, I'm sure he's really glad I agree with him. You know, uh, but but you know, he makes a real consistent point that if you're not loving your neighbor, you can't love God. Right. You know. So so therein therein lies. This is where this is where stewardship of the world and everything that you are and have, the focal point is not you, and frankly, the focal point really isn't him. The focal point in our lives is those around us who benefit from our faithful response to his inordinate goodness toward us. You right. know, and, and, and that's that's where so taking care of the world in which you live is is for your neighbor. 
And yes, yeah. your neighbor may really, you may think your neighbor's a lazy dolt, okay? Right. But God loves him. And, and right. how you manage that, you know, and, and again, you see how, you see how this, is a, uh, this part of Isaiah 58 is a, is a, is a, is a, is a complete 180-degree change from where it starts. You know, you're seeking your own pleasures. I'm telling you, seek not your pleasures, but the needs of your neighbor. Because I've met your needs when you didn't deserve it. Yeah, no, that, that, that's right, and that, and that's I mean, it's well put, and it's it's a kind of a provocative idea, right, to say that you know the focus is in some ways not even on God, but like on the neighbor. But I mean, even Luther says that that when right. when he distinguishes between these different kinds of righteousness, like yeah, when you're talking about the stuff that you do, right. I mean, like, yeah, this is this is the radical freedom of the Christian. Like, who who's who's king? It's the neighbor. Then, of course, when you when you zoom out and look at the big picture, of course, it's God who is the king. But I mean, on that level, it's not even about what we do. It's about what He does for us. Okay, Correct. but but when you understand that and you're looking at the stuff that you're doing, like Luther says, yeah, it's it, the the person, the the king that you're serving. It's your neighbor. That's that's the person. Wow. I mean, what I mean, what language and. It's exactly right, though. We we serve God, though, by this service to the neighbor. That's that's what it says in verse six. Right. Is not and, this the fast that I choose? That's God's right. talk. God's speaking right there. Right. You are going to yeah. fast for God when you serve your neighbor. Both happen right. at the same time through those actions of service. And by like token, we can do what some of our modern church brothers do. You know, the people we're going to gather on Sunday morning, and we're not going to. We're we're just going to scatter out and do random acts of kindness. You know, and mm. that is a confusion, and I I really strongly feel that that is a confusion of law and gospel as well, because there is no connectedness to the source of the goodness. You know, and, right. and I think you know, and and, and I think you know that's where. You know, if if we, you know, if we, and I'm just gonna, because I have this wonderful, hor- horrible habit of running out of time. But if you look at, you know, let's just skip. Let's, let's see what 13 says. If you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the and the holy day of the Lord honorable. If you honor it not by going your own ways or seeking your own pleasures or, or talking idly, then you shall take in the, in the delight of the Lord. So, so this whole point is this: you know, it, it's it's not either or. It's not love the Lord your God or love your neighbor. It's love the Lord your God by loving your neighbor. Love your neighbor right. because you have, because he is the Lord your God. And, and, and that's where we, you know, and that's where, and, and that allows source and service to play out in a godly way. And it doesn't right. become, you know, you know, we have ditches on both sides of the road. And unfortunately, Jesus right. says the, the way is narrow. Yeah, well, yes, right, and I, I like that distinction, you know, source source, and service. I mean, the, the other way, too, is to think about it, it's service maybe both ways, but who is the one doing the serving, right? Correct. And, and, you know, as you were saying, you know, when you see in these, in our modern context, people who are like, well, we're just going to show up on Sunday and we're just going to, like, go scatter, right? Um, because, you know, hey, it's not about us, it's about it's about them. Well, the thing is, right, like, Sunday morning was never about what you were doing, <laughs> Sunday morning was about what God was doing for you so that so that you could do the rest of it right that's why we call it the divine service right it's it's God's service to us 
right? And and so yeah. when you when you when you don't take that into account, like the, all of this, that's I mean, like as you were saying, it's confusion of lying gospel, right? Because it makes it everything is about what we're doing. But hey, guys, the most important thing is what God is doing, and, and that's and that's really right. the the key of the Sabbath. There, you know, um, you know, here in chapter. 58 this talk about the sabbath is a little bit different from the talk in 56 and 56 it was kind of talking about yeah you know the sabbath is is kind of an inclusive idea like even a eunuch you know he can't have kids but yeah he can practice the sabbath right that was kind of the light that it was talked about in but here in 58 the sabbath here this is like hey guys you know if you just want to like fast and like you know do holy rites and do religious stuff yeah i guess you can do that but that that, that, that has nothing to do with me. If you want to be connected to me, then there's this Sabbath thing, not because it's like a, it's like a really good thing for you to do, but because it's on the Sabbath when you hear the light of God's word that you're sorely lacking. All of our efforts to serve our neighbors are going to come terribly short, and we're going to end up oppressing our neighbors in new and creative ways if we don't have the light of God's word. We're going to end up shooting our neighbors in the foot if we are still in the darkness we we need the sabbath because he's the light that enables us to serve effectively and you, in, right and there you see what you know the 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 point that Jesus would take the pharisees to task on you know talking about how far they would travel to 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 make a proselyte and then and but what do they do in the process they make them twice the sons of hell that you are you know yeah. so so you know it's one of those things or, or or we talk about the lawyers you put you put burden after burden after burden and yet you don't lift a finger to take the you know to 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 lighten their load you know and and, and this is this is what happens you know we you know we oftentimes you know we we will we you know in the way in order to justify ourselves we make somebody else's burden heavier and yeah. and and we're not we're not um we're not bearing the yoke we're not bearing with our neighbor as god calls us to and, and therein therein lies a, a great challenge a- absolutely it's um it it, it, ha- it happens so easily right you know and it happens in a million ways and i i hope that you know we can all become um, we, we can kind of back away from this, you know, desensitization or maybe even like the hypersensitivities, as we were saying, so that we can actually have conversations in the church among our brothers and sisters in Christ to talk about the ways that, hey, look, ac- actually, you know, here we are taking shortcuts and doing these things and we're making it heavier and making it harder on uh, our neighbors around us. And hopefully like those are conversations that we can have, not because we're trying to justify ourselves or not because we've we've given up good theology to be you know social justice crusaders but because we're keeping our our theology in check and we understand yeah you know what uh we're we're not here just to kind of invent new holy things uh to do right the 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 holy thing that god wants us to do he's saying it right there in his own word loose the bonds of wickedness undo the straps of the yoke Uh, let, let me really quick read thank you for reading verse 13 is uh, <laughs> keeping us Sorry honest for here. Usurping your authority here. <laughs> no, it's very good. It's very good. Let's go ahead and read verse fourteen, though. So we've read the whole thing, and then we still have like a minute or two for some concluding thoughts. So here, here's. Uh, so you, so you were reading it there. You know, it, it starts off in thirteen. You know, if you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, so like if if you go, if you come back to the Sabbath, right? That's the thing you're leaving out. Verse fourteen, then. 
Then you shall take delight in the Lord, and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So, I mean, isn't that interesting there? In in verse 14, it says, then you shall take delight in the Lord. Because earlier, right, he said as much. He said, like, yeah, you, you delight to know my ways. You delight to draw near to God, right? But there... They, they only think that they do right here. They right. truly will. And here he uses his own name. Like then you'll really be delighting in the Lord and not something else, not an illusion. Correct. Well, you know, and again, the fact that he uses that name there, as opposed to, you know, what we did, you know, he was dealing with Baal and, and, and Molech and those kind of things, you know, speaking of, you know, Kings and Lords, you know, we're talking the, the real one. Uh, right. it, it, it's, it's also not, you know, anytime, listen, when you read the old Testament, and you hear that word turn you know yeah. if you turn back your foot you have to pay attention to that in the old testament um because this is that you know this is the repentance word that we hear this you know when 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 in the old testament when they talk about turning that that is very much the same way you know that is very much the, the same way that they would use repentance in the gospels you know right. turn away be turned away, and, and again, look at where turning comes in. It comes in after the light. You know, right. it's God who turns us away. It's God who leads us to see the Sabbath not as something that we do for God, but something that God does for us. It is not something where we seek pleasure, uh, we, we seek our desires or our pleasures. We seek, we seek God's mercy, so in turn we can give that mercy and, and and the beautiful thing is, when we turn, what do we find? We don't find a finger wagging. Uh, we we don't find a figure wagging, looking over the glasses type of God. We find that loving Father who is there to give us exactly what we need. Amen. That's that's the light of Christ. That's what He does for us. Yep. That's what how He transforms us. That's His work. Amen, brother. Thank you so much. God bless your Advent and Christmas seasons. You as well. Everybody else, Pastor Nathan Metter, pastor of St. John Lutheran Church in Plymouth, Wisconsin. Till next time, everybody, Pastor A.J. Espinosa. Peace. Office of National Mission in cooperation with Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Thy Strong Word.